0: Hello, welcome back to Keith's podcast, The Authentic Christian, where we talk authentically, raw and have some chit-chat about Christianity and and uh, the journey down here. So, the Lord has put on my heart recently in the last <coughs> few months studying different characteristics of of, you know, our human nature. Um this is kind of a teaching about, or this is a teaching of, you know, basically the flesh, you know, how uh, the flesh in us isn't good. Obviously, it speaks out, speaks about in Scripture and other passages. But primarily, the Lord has been teaching me about, you know, my human nature. You know, even as a Christian, we we still, at times, may uh, act in the flesh, you um, there's different attributes of the flesh that I'll speak of. Um, even when you're a Christian, like I said, things things happen when we don't keep our minds on Christ. Um, so, so I've been learning about the depravity of man and the world, you know how wicked and corrupt it is. You don't have to learn about it, right? to really understand it. You could just see it. You don't have to do any. Philosophical. Uh, you don't need to reach some philosophical point to understand it. You don't need to <laughs> dabble in the world, so to speak. Um, <clears throat> but just explaining what I've been learning, and I, I can identify with the with the with our brother Paul in Romans seven when he he speaks um, in verse. You know, verse 13, we'll start with verse 13 and go to 5th, 25, and it says, "Has Then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. For what I am doing, I do not understand what I will to do. Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then a law that evil is present with, with me, the one who wills to do good. Um, I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members, oh wretched man that I am, the point here is, oh wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death. thank I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then when with the mind I might serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So to move on, the Father of heaven has been teaching me who who I am and from first John chapter 2 verse 15 to seventeen we have, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lusts of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So to begin, i um, four minutes in, <laughs> but to begin, um, the point of this this podcast is to understand what the lust of the flesh is. <clears throat> and then as it is mentioned in 1 John 2, 15 to 17, particularly verse 16, talks about the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And those are three distinct attributes of of the world, but also of I I believe of the human nature outside of God without having the Holy Spirit. Um So to begin, I want to look at the expression, the lust of the flesh, which is what this podcast will primarily be about for this episode. So for me to understand this verse, I will will be going back to the Greek, which is the native language used at the time that this passage was written. So the expression, the lust of the flesh, (coughs) the, um, the lust, the definite article, the attributes of the flesh. So lust of the flesh, so lust is an attribute of the flesh or of the human nature. So lust is equal to epithemia, which is a f- which has a few relevant definitions. desire, craving, longing, desire for what is forbidden. Now there's obviously nothing wrong with certain desires and cravings. Like I desire the pure milk of the Word of God, which is in the Scriptures. That's good. That's a good thing. That is a spiritually good thing. Um, now, uh, but I'm going to take it from the the other the other definition, which is a longing desire for what is forbidden. You know, for what is bad, for what is wicked, what is evil. That's how I'm going to address this. Uh, talk. The next expression now is flesh. So right, we had the lust of the flesh. So what is flesh? In the Greek, sarix, the sensuous nature of man, the animal nature. A few sub-definitions of this sensuous nature of man can be without any suggestion of depravity. So no understanding, no real remorse for the wickedness and corruption. No real understanding of it. And then the second sub-definition is the animal nature, which cravings, which incite to sin. And um, to continue, to simply put this expression, the lust of the flesh, uh, is the following. The lust is an attribute of the human flesh or nature. Let's read scriptures of an example where this lust of the flesh can be applied. So I'm going to use both genders. Because sin is no respecter of gender, class, status, whatever you want to insert there, pronoun, noun. As it says in Romans 3, 23, uh, there is no difference, I'm sorry, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So... Yes, I'm using men and women, but the reason I'm using both men and women is the principle that sin doesn't matter who it is, what it is. Sin has no gender, okay? Sin is um, a result of disobedience to God, okay? And that's another topic to talk about. But I'm just focusing on the lust of the flesh, okay? And going back... Um, And in Genesis now, 3, chapter 3, verse 1 to 4, we're going to get this, like I said, example of lust of the flesh from the story of Eve when she sinned. Now, one might say, hey, that was in the Greek. Well, I'm going to show you in the Hebrew, lust is equal to chamad, which is equivalent to the Greek word epithemia. So that's, you know, there's no difference there. It's one language translating the same word in a different language, but the meaning still the same. The reason why I give this scholarly, you could call it, background is so I can show you who's so you can hear that where these words come from. What does it mean? You know, it's not some. This is not some um, philosophical talk that i'm talking here this is reality these things in our life that are happening and to really learn about god you gotta gotta get into the meat and this is one aspect of getting into the meat the thickness of or not the thickness getting into scripture it's it's not just you know the milk right it's the meat um and to continue now our examples genesis chapter 3 verse 1 to 4 now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals. The Lord God has made. He has said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, You may eat from eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will now certainly you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, For God knows that particular story actually mentions all three attributes, let's say, of the human nature, uh, the flesh, which those two terms can be used synonymous. Um, In verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, she lusted after the food because she thought the food was good. She desired this food because it was good. Because her flesh in her, it's not apart from her, the flesh in her, she's controlling her flesh. Um, She wanted to not listen to God, okay? The flesh flesh acted out against what God had said. And she could have said no. She could have said, you know, I'm not going to eat this fruit, etc. I'm not going to eat from this tree. I'm going to listen to God and run away. Um, but unfortunately she didn't, um, and she ate. Something to mention <clears throat> on a side note, though, and I have to agree with this, that I thought of when I was doing this little study, is that, um, actually I'll mention it in the next talk, not thinking about it, it'll be better for that, so. All right, so what can we conclude from this passage is that Eve desired what was forbidden, right? That word, desire what is forbidden, one sub-definition of lusting. Uh, Eve desired what was forbidden by God. So the question to ask you is, have you ever desired something that was forbidden by God? And this is not to incite you to sin. God forbid it, but this is to make you realize the flesh nature in you. Um, And the answer to this question, I'm not going to leave it rhetorical for myself, but for you, you can. The answer, actually, we, the answer we want to say is no. However, we are lying if we didn't say we didn't, um, you know, think this. So in contrast, thanks be to God for sending the Holy Spirit to awaken us spiritually of the depravity of ourselves before coming to Christ and knowing why we needed the Lord Jesus Christ, our wonderful Savior, to uh, save us from our sins. Thanks be to God for that gift to save us from our flesh and to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at another example of the Bible where this expression, lust of the flesh, can be applied to. King David, King David is said, is sadly the optimal case study for this for this expression. So in 2 Samuel chapter eleven, verse one to four, I'll read it, And it came to pass at the year, at the return of the year, at the time when kings go forth, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they laid waste the land of the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David abode at Jerusalem. And it came to pass at evening time that David arose from off his couch and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful, and David sent and inquired the, after the woman, and one it said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David took messengers and took her, and she came in to him, and he lay with her. And she had purified herself from her uncleanness, and she returned to her house. So, where can this be applied? Well, in verse 4. And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in to him and lay with her. Lost the flesh right here. His flesh was lusting after not only her body but also to have sex with her. David's desire, craving, desire for what is forbidden came to fruition when he had sex with Bathsheba, who also was wife of Uriah. So not only did he fornicate, but also committed adultery. So those are forbidden things, right? Those are things that we shouldn't, especially as Christians, definitely should not be doing. But unfortunately, some people have done these. And thanks be to God that he does forgive us. However, there are consequences for these sins. but And that's also to lead into this next point. As a result of David's sin, he had consequences, which were that his family had also suffered from sexual immorality, rape, um, attempted murder, it, uh, so many other and that's different than sexual immorality, but still immorality nonetheless. In um, his family, for, there's a few chapters talking about it, but um, just to leave it at that. And a critical fact to mention is this, God never caused Eve and David to sin. God and their scripture backing this up. In James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15, it states the following, Let no man... Be tempted, saying, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted by evil things, and himself tempts no one. But everyone is tempted, drawn away, and enticed by his own lust. Then lust, having conceived his birth to sin, but sin fully completed, brings forth death. Both Adam and Eve were tempted by the lusts of the flesh, drawn away and enticed by their own lust. And... That's you know the story, the two stories that I had picked for the lust of the flesh. Now, how is this relevant to the to the Christian? Um it's relevant because unfortunately, as some people grow depending where they've grown up, they might have been said Christian, but have lived a life where You know, they had the lustful desire to get drunk on a Friday night into a Saturday or had a lustful desire to have sex with the opposite sex or have a lustful desire to be a forbidden desire to murder like Cain did, which is an example. Or one had a forbidden desire to steal before they were a Christian. This is to point out our nature before we became Christians and should not be the same nature when we become a Christian. However, um, through God's Holy Spirit that he has given to us as a result of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross to pay for our sins, the Holy Spirit then was able to come down to indwell us, and that's in John. But the Holy Spirit will give you the power over these lusts of the flesh. I um, was talking about these lusts because, you know, lust of the flesh was a topic. Because for myself, I wanted to understand what what is this lust? What What is this? You know, how can this ruin your life? How can this, um, you know, cause issues? Um, and, you know, I thought... You know, Jesus was tempted, okay? He was tempted and had all three of these attributes of his nature. He was a perfect person, but three attributes attacked, okay, Um, by Satan himself. So, obviously, God, I'm sorry, the Lord Jesus is the example, the perfect one who, when he was tested and tempted, tempting, remember, is not a sin, but when he was tempted, he, in his perfect nature, knew exactly what to do because he was perfect. Now, not a solution to fighting these lusts of the flesh. We have the armor of God. We have prayers. Or we pray to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. We hide God's word in ourselves as Christians. We pray that may not That we may not enter into temptation, into lusting after something. Okay? We are... And One thing that's been hard, challenging, is people being accountable. And not being in fear of judgment. When a temptation comes. They didn't sin, but they had this temptation. And it comes from our hearts. Um, You know, it can be coming from watching a bad movie. Bad... Morally, and that, you know, there's pornography, they, and there's sexual scenes in the movie, or there's murder, or there's some kind of whatever you can think of that's bad. Um, that can get input into our, into our hearts, right? It says in Scripture to guard our minds and our hearts. Um, and when we watch things that are contrary to God, they impact us they do, they really do impact us, and we have to recognize that, hey, why am I getting this lust all all of a sudden, well, it's maybe because you're watching this movie, or you're watching this, and you're like, wow, I really need to cleanse myself from this, um, and, um, so yeah, that's the lust of the flesh, um, I'm hoping to get into the next ones, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life next, um, And also, let me just mention these. Some of these actually were sexual. These lusts, some of them were non-obviously sexual related. These lusts, um, they're morally bad, wickedness, you know, other types of wickedness um, that couldn't easily be talked here. I mean, wanting to worship other gods, wanting to uh serve meats to other gods worship other idols etc anything that's contrary to god that you can insert there that's wrong can be considered a lust but i hope what you have heard today is beneficial it's a blessing to you to recognize how these things happen in life to learn from them and to hopefully if someone is here some you know has a lust of whatever it is that they repent of it um and yeah so i hope you have a good day god bless